Okay, welcome to the sundown. Here we are as usual with my co-host, Mr. Weissmuller. It is still the sixth marking period as it will always be. It is May the 19th, which actually is my grandfather's birthday, although he passed away when I was a sophomore in high school. So we're talking 23, 24 years ago. Uh, but uh, yeah, how you doing? Uh, good, good. Finally getting some nice weather. And uh, I see... We are both have our high schools as our backdrops today, uh, with all like the graduation uh, graduation stuff going on. Um, so where where are you exactly? So I am on what is currently the football field at Darien High School, which is located in Darien, Connecticut. Uh, Darien, Connecticut, is where I went to high school. It's about a forty-five minute train ride out of Grand Central State Station in Manhattan. Um, you know, maybe about an hour and a half drive from here in Brooklyn. Uh, and, uh, this actually, this is this, the, the location of this field as it is right now is where it was when I was in high school. But most of the high school is totally different from when I went there about two years after I graduated, they completely, uh, leveled the buildings and rebuilt it com- and entirely. And this field is much nicer and much newer. Actually, it was, uh, it was just grass when I was there. There weren't even really many turf fields back then. Um, so, and this is the, we, we had our graduation on the football field. So this is the spot where I graduated. Cool. Yeah. I, uh, well, I went to James Madison high school, which is in Brooklyn in like the Marine park, uh, slash Madison area of Brooklyn. A lot of the kids are familiar with Madison high school. Uh, same, same story with me. You can see the field in the background is all turf. Um, and it's a pretty big complex for a public school um but when i when i was there it was grass well i mean you'd like to think it was grass but it was really like dirt the whole the whole thing was dirt and uh i played baseball and basketball there, but when we played baseball there the dirt field i mean playing like third base was super dangerous because it was just like rocks and boulders so like uh you know a hard hit ball down third base was like a death sentence <laughs> it really was like the hot corner but you know once once i left i guess they, they did the field about three four years after so i guess they they did their field over around 2003 2004 my brother who's six years younger than me actually played on that field he might have been the first year to play on the field so uh now it's you know really a, you know a nice field and um unfortunately i never got to play on it but uh, we didn't have our graduation there. Our graduation was at Brooklyn College, which uh, was able to hold the amount of kids. Because my senior class, I graduated with, I believe, 760 kids were in wow. my class. Wow. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was a lot of kids. I believe the school had 4,600 when I was there at its, at its highest. 4,600. So, yeah, so I think graduation there was seven hundred sixty sixty graduates or something like that. So uh, pretty pretty high number. Yeah, you, you I mean just so, for some perspective, Sunset we have about twelve hundred students, correct? Correct. Okay, and uh, my high school it was eight hundred kids in the school, so our graduating class is of about two hundred kids. So yeah, uh, 
probably be pretty challenging to fit all you guys and your families on uh, <laughs> into any you know normal space. Yeah, the uh, graduation just just saying the names took forever. Um, yeah, but uh, but it, it, it was cool. Um, and I know there was a graduation kind of ceremony this weekend, right? Or there was it was something for the graduates that LeBron James put together. I believe, um, and I, I think there's a lot of a lot of other things going on. We will have something. Uh, the school is planning to do something, which I am not going. We're not going to speak about now, uh, but that is further details down the road. Yes, and we will update you uh, as we have more information, or as we're able to share more information with you. Um, yeah, it was a. Uh, uh, there was a number of commencements that occurred uh this weekend obviously the lebron james one obama gave a speech as well i thought frankly his speech was just excellent um and really captured at least how i'm feeling personally about uh our current circumstances and the way it's kind of being handled by leadership um yeah <laughs> so yes and speaking of that i guess it could lead us into our segment our first segment of uh what did he say which, yes. Which the Wall Street Journal, I believe, stole from us. Yeah. They, they did, I don't know, they, they wrote an article kind of with the same headline, correct? Yeah. Uh, uh, last I, week. So maybe they're watching the podcast also, probably not, but you know. <laughs> that's just, so um, what, do you, what do you got for us today? Well, I have uh, a commencement speech that was far less successful than our former president's. Uh, ben Sass, who is a senator from Nebraska, um, and he actually he's a guy that you and I have discussed in the past, actually, because uh, around the time that Trump got elected, he was a Republican that was gearing things more towards returning to civility and uh, more traditional values and how you live into values. And, you know, sometimes uh, values, what politicians mean when they say values can be tricky because maybe they're not living into the values but you know for the most part this guy's message was was good it was mostly about hard work and dedication and um you know treating people with respect and and so on and so forth but you know at the same time he's uh kind of never really spoken out against the president who does not live into a lot of the values that he's preached anyway he gave a commencement speech to high school students of nebraska and it was <laughs> it was quite a disaster in a number of ways. I mean, he was pretty much universally laughed at on the internet. I just thought that the part that was most relevant to you and I, I sent you a text of a, of a clip with it, uh, mm. was that he uh, did not have uh, very kind things to say about uh, gym teachers. And first of all, he called us gym teachers, which I would say you and I are probably two people who fall very low on the end of people who would be triggered or bothered by being called a gym teacher. I know that most people in our position, they prefer to be called phys ed teachers. They consider gym teacher to be an insult. It doesn't, honestly, it doesn't bother me. I, I can respect that it bothers other people, but it just doesn't bother me personally. If you call me a gym teacher, it's, I mean, I don't take it as any disrespect. It doesn't really bother me. But just like anything else, there's a way to say almost anything disrespectfully. I mean, you could say good morning disrespectfully if you were really trying to. And I feel like, Ben Sass really fell under the category of not being respectful for gym teachers. <clears throat> yeah, and uh, I saw a little bit of it. <clears throat> the thing was, I think he said his father was a phys ed teacher. 
Yes, and this is how he tried to cover it, but this is what he did. He goes, my father, he was a gym teacher, so I'm allowed to say this. Of course, before he was a gym teacher, he was an English teacher. So he was like a real teacher, but then he just wanted to wear sweatpants every day. So then he changed over to, to being a gym teacher. So he did, He tried to kind of cover it, but he, he was still insulting even in that process. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't think it was like so insulting. I just thought it was like, um, you know, he didn't. He, he probably didn't handle, he, he didn't sound great. And he, it was like, it wasn't just like a one, one liner that he tried, that he like goofed on. It was like, the more I watched his speech, it was just like, he kept going and going and going with like, everything that he said was just like, I don't know, he was, it was almost like he was trying to be like the cool, like uncle. Yeah. Like, uh, education is why, you know, like everything is like, yeah, I'm so cool. Like, I, you know, you don't have to. Don't listen to what everybody's saying. I'm I'm cool, you know. I, I don't know. It was just it was it was terrible. That was uh, and, you know we've talked about this before, but you know certain people, and I think that you're one of them. They have a skill where you can kind of say something about what you think about somebody right to their face, but you do it in a way where it's like funny enough that they're not really insulted, but they still get your message. And some people have it, some people don't. I think you're one of the people that people that do. I don't think I am one of those people. I think if if I were to say something to someone that you would sometimes say to them, they might just be insulted because it would come out like a jerk. But I at least have the self-awareness to kind of realize like, well, you know, I can't just say these things because I'm not, you know, I'm just not as skillful about it or as tactful or, you know, whatever you think that skill may be. I think Ben Sass falls in the same category. He just seemed to lack the self-awareness to know that he was not being funny. No. And um, I, I kind of like after you, texted me about it you know it seemed like the social media universe was going bananas with uh clips from his from his message so if anybody wants to look it up you could check it out i think it's like a five or six minute video clip um, yeah and you could you could look it up and you could kind of judge for yourself what what you think um but that 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 graduation speech will probably hurt him down the road you know like i i don't know like that speech won't go away and you know if somebody's running against him for some kind of office down the road um you know you could bring it up and be like oh this guy's a joke like look look how he look at the message he was trying to send to uh you know the youth you know um, yeah it was also so, a part in there where he told kids when you go to college don't major in psychology because that would be stupid meanwhile I mean, mental health is a huge issue in the country, even not with what's going on, but especially with people quarantined in their houses. I mean, you know, that's just a weird message to send. Yeah, I forget what the comment he said. It, it, it was just, I guess the way to put his speech is, uh, like, off-putting. Yeah. It was just, it was just off-putting. Like, yeah. I mean, he just kind of, <laughs> like, you know, attacked, like, uh, passive-aggressively attacked, like, a lot of people for, like, no reason, <laughs> right. including... You know, I think like most of the students' parents, he was kind of like, your parents don't want to tell you this, but, you know, kind of, I'm like, what is this guy saying? What is he saying? This yeah. Guy? What a disaster. Yeah. He also, he called, basically he called kids out of shape, and, and he says, because when, unlike us, you didn't have to climb a rope in gym class, All which... Right. Which I also, I looked up his age. He's really not that much older than you and I. I, I. I'm pretty sure I climbed a rope twice in elementary school. And I don't think I ever climbed a rope again. Did you ever climb a rope? No. No, I don't think the 
I, I don't I don't know. I mean, I've seen I've seen climbing ropes in DOE school like public schools that I've been in, but I've never seen them used. Yeah, I think it's probably no... a safety, safety issue now. For sure, there's no way this guy ever climbed a rope, or if he did, he didn't wasn't climbing ropes in gym class every day. You know, just because yeah. phony. <laughs> <laughs> So, All right, so what do you got? What's what's your uh, what did he say of the week? I mean, I try not to, you know, I really would like to spread out, you know, spread it out to different people, but I just can't sometimes, you know. And uh, <laughs> I'm watching a press conference on Monday, the president's press conference, or wh- whatever he was doing, and um, the the drug hydroxychloroquine. I don't even know if it was brought up to him. I think he just brought it up, which was even crazier, but. Um, it was a controversial drug, an anti-malarial um, drug that at first, the, you know, at first people were saying would be helpful for treatment of COVID, but then it was, you know, lately the last, I guess, I don't know, two, three, four weeks, uh, now they're saying it does more harm than good. There's a lot of cardiac, you know, it, it could cause cardiac issues and it's, it's not necessarily helping or it's not shown to help. And this was um, from a bunch of different studies, including the um, Veteran Affairs, the VA, I guess the VA hospital were, were using it, and, the, and that's the study that came out uh, about three or four weeks ago. And ever since that study came out, uh, the president and a lot of his supporters just completely stopped talking about hydroxychloroquine. Um, so... You, you really haven't heard about it because the, the science behind it, it's, it's not doing what they originally said, so people aren't talking about it as much anymore. But sure enough, on Monday, the president, or yesterday, or a few days ago, whatever it was, out of nowhere, just says, yeah, I've been taking hydroxychloroquine for like a week and a half now. And people are like, what? <laughs> like, wait a second, you're taking this drug, you know? And they were like, did the doctor recommend you take this drug? And he was like, nah. He's like, nah, the, the White House doctor didn't, didn't recommend it. Um, I, I think he said people, he was getting, some people were sending him messages that it was helpful. Yeah, and phone so calls he, and letters. Yeah, so he decided that he was going to take it. And um, I was just like, what is, what is wrong with this guy? I'm like... First, it's the uh, injecting, you know, maybe you inject yourself with, uh, you know, cleaners. Now it's this drug, which uh, I was watching ABC, ABC News last night, and they had uh, on David Muir and Dr. Jen Ashton. She's the, the blonde doctor. She's, a, she's on there a lot. And uh, he, he asked her specifically about the uh, efficacy of the drug. And she's like, there is no known uh it is not known that it prevents or treats COVID right now. If anything, <laughs> it has a more harmful effect. So it's like, what do you do? You know, what are you doing right now? So that was like the, the headline yesterday. <laughs> just like, I was like, what? What's this guy doing? But I was just, I was more like laughing because I was like, this is so silly. Plus, I was like, this is perfect for our segment. You know, <laughs> absolutely. I mean. You know, because it's funny, we were going to talk, both talk about this Ben Sass thing, and I said in the text, unless, of course, Trump just 
throws himself out a window or something in his press conference today. And sure enough, he's just just taking medicine, just on his own. I, I mean, I think what his whole point that he tried to make earlier on was because the drug is already FDA approved to treat something else, then it must be safe. So you have nothing to lose by taking it. But that could not be further from the truth from just about any drug. Prescription drugs carry side effects. They're often prescribed to people because the benefit of taking it will outweigh the side effects, but only in the most serious of conditions. So, right. I right. mean, if, if it's, that's the case, then you would just take drugs. All you would just take a bunch of drugs. Right. Even every day. There's nothing wrong with you. <laughs> right. Exactly. So this is an anti-malaria drug. So yes, whatever side effects come with hydroxychloroquine are probably better than getting malaria, right. but or having malaria. But it's not just like, well, I'll take it. It doesn't treat what I have, but I'll just just take. I mean, it's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, and it and it's also like you're. He's taking it as a preventative uh, drug, which I think that's even probably lesser known, right? Because the people that are taking it are taking it once they have positive COVID. They're positive for COVID. So, right. you know, I haven't seen any study about, and I've been following this pretty closely, I didn't see any studies about taking hydroxychloroquine or chloroquine as a preventative measure. Right. So this is even like even crazier. Right. You know, so, and, and of course, yeah. in Trump world, you can't ever admit that he said anything ridiculous. So I don't know if you saw this, but shortly afterward, they the White House released a letter from Trump's doctor. And oh, yeah, no, yeah. so I, I'll just there's it's very short, actually. It's three paragraphs and I'm only going to read you the middle paragraph, which is one sentence. But I think it's very telling. And it shows probably this guy was forced to release it. But so the second paragraph says, after numerous discussions, he and I, meaning the president and his doctor, uh, after numerous discussions he and I had regarding the evidence for and against the use of hydroxychloroquine, we concluded the potential benefit from treatment outweighed the relative risks. Now, after numerous discussions, so why are they talking about it many times? We concluded... Why is Trump concluding? He's not a doctor. My doctor and I hardly ever conclude something together. The doctor tells me what's wrong, and then I act accordingly. And then it says that the potential, uh, that the benefit outweighed the relative risks, which, first of all, is just not scientifically true. But I do think it's carefully worded such that the doctor didn't say I advised him to take it. He said we concluded that the benefits outweighed the risks, but at no point did he does he put in writing that I said it was okay for him to take it. And it's you know the other thing I was thinking is if you if you're doing this you know with your doctor, you know that the heads of all these medical departments are you know what they're saying about the drug that it's not that effective blah blah blah. So if you want to take it. Because you think that you have you have like a gut feeling that it's going to help you, go you know this is your personal, your this is your body, take it right. But don't just come out and tell the country and the world <laughs> that you're doing this as like some new treatment, right? It's right. like why are you telling everybody this? You know what the science is showing, right? So like 
you want to do this with your doctor, go ahead. And I'm sure politicians, presidents, they've, they've received certain treatments or certain um, supplements or whatever that like the regular, you and I would not get from a doctor, right? Just like athletes get certain treatments and um, medicines, drugs, you know, but don't go telling everybody that this is like the way to go. And not, now, yeah. and not only that, but I, I think he doesn't think about the second and third tier like risks that he might. So somebody takes hydroxychloroquine because the president does. And then they like they're putting I think that some people would instinctively think, well, that's not my problem because I'm not taking it. They're only putting themselves in danger. So who cares? But what could end up happening is some idiot takes it, thinks, well, now I'm immune to the coronavirus. So I'm going to walk around with no mask and know nothing and just you know do whatever and then you end up getting other people sick because you're not being careful anymore because you think you're immune because you listen to the president right yeah i mean like i said i try i, I really wanted to pick someone else but uh <laughs> the story was just too good it had me laughing i was playing a game with my kids a board game and i was like wait what what is what's happening right now i was like what what is happening? <laughs> so um, I, I thought that had to get brought up. But um, on to on to our, our next topic of the of the day, which is yes. a little more fun to talk about. So. Yeah. So uh, last week, ESPN released the top seventy four uh, greatest basketball players of all time in the NBA because it's the NBA's 74th year of existence, and of course because the Michael Jordan doc was just airing, and it sort of spurred, I don't even think it's really spurred debate between LeBron and Jordan. I mean, I guess it sort of has, but... Um, so then they released this list. Uh, so uh, let's go over some of the names. Do you want me to stick to 40 and above, or you wanna, do you want to do a quick rundown of the, the uh, like 74 down to 42? Not all of them, but just to kind of give some perspective on where people landed. Well, I think we should start with uh, the top 10, but okay. let, me, let me say that also, like, when there's no news, like, in the sports, this is what, like, the sports world does. They just yeah. come up with kind of, I guess, what we do, controversial topics or lists, and then people can argue about them because, like, there's not really a lot of live sports happening, so let's just bring up a list that we know people will have different opinions on, and now, you know, ESPN can talk about it for the next two, three weeks. Um, so I think that's kind of like the idea. The 74th yeah. year sparked the 70 top 74 players. <laughs> right. I think they probably did that for the 71st, 72nd, 73rd year. I mean, right. maybe, but I doubt it. I, it's probably, you know, it was sparked because of what's going on right now. So, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, the, t the top 10, I mean, most of us know most of these names. Michael Jordan was one, LeBron two. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, which many of you don't know, is it was a center with the Lakers in the 80s. Uh, Bill Russell, four. Magic Johnson, five. Will Chamberlain, six. Larry Bird, seven. Tim Duncan, eight. Kobe, nine. And Shaq, ten. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, that's the top ten. And then... Uh, if, so what do you, you think want, of the top ten? What do you think of that order? Um, this, this has been a big topic with my friends and myself. I think everybody agrees Michael Jordan is number one. Uh, the big debate in in my group chats right now with uh, with my with my friends was if LeBron LeBron and Kobe was the question marks. So some of you know 
I would say uh, it was like a 70-30 split with, with my friends where they thought Kobe should have been higher up on the list. Maybe, like, some of them thought Kobe should have been number two, that it's Michael and then Kobe. I, I don't think that. I think, yeah. you know, I think Kobe was, was really good, but I don't think that he was <clears throat> close to Michael Jordan. Um, and I also think LeBron, there's an argument that LeBron is better than Michael Jordan. So... Um, you know, they're, they're different types of players, but I do think LeBron, we've never seen a player like LeBron before. I mean, what he could do at his size and yeah. strength is just, I don't think there's anybody ever that has been able to do that, right? I mean, you could put Michael as number one because he, he like transcended the league. He changed the whole NBA, you know, um, and he, he was the killer. Uh, he was a winner. He was a killer. He was just like, I, I mean, he grew up, he was like, when we were in high school, he was the best, right? He was like, kind of like how LeBron was for the high school kids now. Uh, right. I mean, except though he never lost. I mean, never. Right. One time he lost, He the one time he didn't win a playoff series, at least, well, I should say, after he started winning titles. And people right. forget, he didn't win a title the first eight years of his career. But right. then he starts to win titles. The only time he doesn't win is uh, the year he came back with only 17 games left in the regular season. And then goes into the playoffs and loses to uh, Shaq's Magic team. But, yeah, like you said, he was, he was a killer. He never lost in all these big moments. And you think, you know, I think people get the impression that the Bulls and Jordan just absolutely dominated the 90s. But I think one of the things that the documentary kind of showed and actually I've used some quarantine time to watch some old Knicks games on YouTube and what you come to realize is there were a number of times they were pretty close to losing you know yeah. I mean uh, maybe not necessarily in a game seven or in a, in a in a do or die type of situation but there were teams that really had legit chances to challenge them and you know look even the Patriots which have kind of been the modern day dynasty that uh, this generation has grown up with because they've been good since, like, what, 2002, 2003, and they've been almost dominant, they've lost twice. And Jordan never did. And sometimes it's not as though they were bad in those games. It's just the ball bounced, you know, a couple a couple plays here and there go a different way, and they're not winners. And But I think with the Bulls, the ball always went their way, and I think it had a lot to do with Jordan. Yeah, he was, I mean, he was amazing. Uh, LeBron, I, I also think, though, like, Michael Jordan definitely had some, like, great supporting cast around him. You know, I'm looking at the list, and, um, you know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Magic Johnson were three and five. They played together for a lot of the Laker championships, right? Yeah. So, you know, they had each, they had each other. Um, it shouldn't take away from that greatness, but it just shows you, you know, being a great player... Uh, is one thing, but if you don't have the supporting cast around you, it's hard to get over that that hump. And I and I think that's like people that hate on LeBron a little bit. You know, the teams that he's had. I mean, he's had some like terrible supporting cast around him that that he brought to the finals with you know no no other like all stars on his team. I mean, when he won, he had some some great players with him, but. He, he's brought teams to the finals that had no business being there, you know? Um, yeah, I think 08 is the strongest case for that. But 
you know, a lot of these other teams, look, he lost when he had Bosch and Wade. He lost in the finals when he had those two. And that was really before Wade started to break down. He, he's been, he's lost in the finals with Kyrie and Kevin Love as a teammate. So I get it, but you know, LeBron has dragged some pretty crappy teams pretty deep into playoffs or even into a finals. But I think also to be fair, he's lost finals with a, a strong supporting cast as well. Yeah, it's also the look who he's playing against. I mean, like look at yeah. like the Warriors. I mean, that team had four, four to five All Stars in their starting lineup. I mean, yeah. they could. You're talking Curry, Thompson, Durant, and Draymond. Yeah, right. That's. I mean, that. Those four could be the starting lineup on an all-star team. Right. I mean, they, and they today's have. today's MD, NBA is also much deeper than it was in the 90s. Well, it's deeper. It's also the shooting is a lot more, I'd say perimeter play is a lot, it's a lot more about perimeter play. So, yeah. you know, if you're, if you're a Steph Curry and, you know, you, I don't even know what he weighs, but uh, Curry, Durant, these guys are... You know, if they played in the Jordan era where they were going to the basket and getting hammered and fouled and beat up, you know, I, you know, maybe maybe they don't they don't they're not as successful right now. But the way that the game is kind of transformed into, you know, deep three point shots, a lot more running and gunning. Um, you know, I'm sure Jordan would have been successful in that kind of era also. Uh, but I don't know if those guys, if these guys now would be would have been, would be successful you know like the durants and i'm sure they'd be successful but you know i don't know if they would be as able to kind of flow the way that they do now you know like a curry and a durant where i think lebron can you could put lebron in the in the mid 90s and i think he'd still be yeah LeBron. yeah you know? yeah um even though my friends were saying you know lebron complains a lot and but you know what? They all—all all the great players complain. You know they—they they all get all, calls. They want every call. Jordan did it. Yeah. LeBron does it. Kobe does it. Kobe did it. You know they all—they all complain. I mean that's just the great players. That's just what they do. You know, there's kind of like an expectation. You know, they're—they're they're also super competitive. You know, that's kind of like right. the, the common thing that they all have in common. It's like they—they they want to win at all costs. So. I'm I'm okay with the list. Um, you know, Shaq at ten. I don't know. I I kind of feel like maybe Shaq should get moved up, especially ahead of Duncan. I mean, I think I think Shaq was like probably the most dom like, in when he was in his prime. I mean, who who was more dominant than Shaq? At, you know, um, that's an interesting that's an interesting case. So it's sort of like right, like what. When you do get to like when you're in the top ten, especially you got to figure that the the margin is pretty thin, right? So then it comes in terms of like what do you value? Yes, I would agree that Shaq's prime and Shaq's most dominant years are better than anything Duncan put together. Meanwhile, though, Duncan's longevity and consistency of success and having his team in it. I mean, you know, he was just a lot more consistent than Shaq. And then it gets to, like, what do you value the most, right? And, you know, looking at another sport, like, I would say that for his best couple of seasons, or maybe for, like, a three-year stretch, Pedro Martinez was maybe 
the scariest pitcher I ever saw, right? But plenty of other pitchers, well, not plenty, but other pitchers like, say, for example, I don't know, Greg Maddox, where, you know, you never went out and watched Greg Maddox and were like, whoa, like, man, no one's touching him today. But he was just so good year after year after year for such a long stretch of time. That adds to the greatness, I guess, right? So, right, like where, just like in terms of like, what's the value of what? It's like really hard to say because there's no concrete statistic that gives it to you. But it, yeah, I, what... yeah. So one thing I just remembered I was reading was in the going back to the LeBron Kobe um, comparison was when Kobe won uh, when Kobe was with Shaq. You know, Shaq won the Finals MVP. And Shaq was Shaq averaged, I think, thirty six and like seventeen rebounds, like thirty six point seventeen rebounds. So Kobe was second fiddle. You know, I don't think like LeBron has ever been second fiddle on any team, right? Michael yeah. Jordan was never Michael Jordan was never second fiddle on any team. Right. Uh, you know, Kobe was was young and he was kind of like the second the second guy, right? He wasn't the the top guy on that team, so. You know, I don't know. You, I mean, you could you could move Shaq up a little bit. Um, you know, I, I, it's hard because what what's the what is this list saying? Like the top ten is what? Like are these guys who would just Games are more comparable than LeBron's is to Jordan. And it's funny, I was thinking about this before, but you look at LeBron's career, so Magic was also second fiddle to Kareem for the beginning part of his career anyway. Um, And it's almost like LeBron's going in reverse where, you know, he was top dog for forever and now he's finally paired on the Lakers, ironically, with 
sort of this elite big man also with Anthony Davis uh, at the close of his career. So he's kind of doing that trajectory in reverse, which is probably, uh, you know, it's hard to say what's better or worse, right? Is it better to come in with a positive role model or is it better to go out when maybe your physical skills are diminishing slightly and you have a younger player to help carry the load for you? Yeah, I don't I don't know if like he's second fiddle to Anthony Davis, though, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's uh, true. You know, I, I don't. I still think LeBron is the the top guy there. And if the Lakers go to the the finals and they and there's an MVP, unless Anthony Davis is putting up like ridiculous numbers, I think you'll still see LeBron win the MVP. And I think, you know, if the NBA doesn't continue right now, I think next season you'll probably see LeBron. I think it's going to be LeBron like one last year trying like take down the championship. I think, yeah. I think that's what, I think that's what you'll see. But, um, how about like going up the list as far as, you know, 10 through 40, you got any, is there anybody there that you saw that you're like, Hmm, this is, this is kind of weird. Uh, let's see in the top 40. I did. Let's see. You know, I think Curry at 13 is a little high. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's ahead of some really great players. But then again, you know, Curry is an interesting case too because he is kind of transformational. I mean, you can there's things you could say about Curry and like how good would he have been in a different era, etc. But I mean, Curry really kind of changed what was considered a good shot. Yeah, yeah, Curry's he does fit into that kind of like changing the way that the game is played. Yeah. Although. You know, do you put – because where was Durant on that list? Durant was – Durant was right below Curry. So Curry's 13, Durant was 14. Yeah, I, I mean, I kind of put Durant ahead of Curry, don't you? Yeah, yeah. He's a better uh, player. Yeah, I, to, to put – and you see that now. I mean, once Durant joined the Warriors, I think everybody knew, like, Durant was the, the number one on that team, right? Yeah. I mean, um, yeah, I don't know if – Curry, I think that's a little high for Curry. Thirteen. Um, I'm okay with Durant being up there at at four, at four, you know at fourteen, but to have Curry ahead of him, eh? I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, Curry was pretty amazing in the in the last playoff series when Durant got hurt and he was kind of playing by himself. He was still like, yeah. he was still really good. Right. Um, but I look at some of these players and I'm like, can you put a defensive stopper on some of these guys and really like slow them down. And I think you can to Curry. Like, I think if you put like one of the top defenders in the league on Curry, I think he can be slowed down where like, uh, I don't know if anybody's slowing down Durant or LeBron. I mean, I'm sure there's been games where they've been slowed down, but in a, in a seven game series, I don't think like the defender is going to win that battle. In the, in the long run. Right. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. Um, we've got... So, the biggest... The, the thing that bugs me the most... Now, what do you think of Isaiah? Isaiah Thomas is at 31. So, Isaiah Thomas, that puts him behind Steve Nash, behind Allen Iverson, behind John Stockton. Uh, and, I mean, those are just the... And then behind way behind Curry. And those are just the guys of comparable positions, obviously. Uh, what do you think about Isaiah at 31? Um, 
behind all those guys. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, Isaiah was kind of like a natural point guard. He, I don't think he was a great scorer. So, I mean, I, I guess I'm, I'm guess I'm okay with that. I, I don't know if like I would put Nash ahead of Isaiah though, right? Although, I mean, Nash did win an MVP, right? Didn't that Nash won an MVP? Nash won two MVPs. Two MVPs. Did Isaiah ever win an MVP? I don't know if Isaiah won an MVP. I don't think he did. But here's my case for Isaiah. The guy was the best player on a team that won back-to-back NBA titles. Yeah, and that team wasn't the most talented, Right. I would say. Yeah. Right? I mean, who was the second best player? Dumars? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely not Bill Lambier. Right. So, I mean, you know, he's the best player on teams that win back-to-back titles in a very competitive era of the NBA. I just think that to put him ahead of Nash, Iverson, Stockton, you know, Curry, what Curry, you could say was the best player on a title team, but you know, back to back's really tough. And just to put him behind guys who never won a title is, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know that it's, it's that obvious. You think it could be also a little biased because of, like, age? You know, like, he played a long time ago at this point. So, you know, ESPN's, their demographic, I'm sure, is like 25 to 45. So, you know, Isaiah kind of doesn't hit on those those guys, you know, the young guys. Um, Right. You know, I barely remember seeing Isaiah play. I mean... Yeah, I'm sure you know. I, I saw Isaiah play. I used to watch a lot of NBA, but but now, like for me, I don't remember. I don't remember watching him. At this right, point, I agree. Out, and he, here's the here's the recency bias: is that you have Giannis at 27. Yeah, and I told you, I told you, I, I think when it's all said and done, Giannis might be like a top five all time player. Um, he, and he could be, but he certainly isn't yet. Is what I, I think. You know what though? He's so dominating right now. I mean, and it's also—I was gonna say he's a freak, but you know that's like you know that's like his name, so his nickname. So yeah. to call him a freak, but he could just kind of do things that nobody else can do, kind of like LeBron-esque. You know, like at his size, I think is he seven? Is he seven feet? Giannis, or, or close to it, but he's really amazing. And also, he—he's taking these Milwaukee Buck teams that. Or don't have a ton of talent on him, and, and he's really like the main guy. He's kind of like LeBron S, where you have Giannis on your team, you're going to be like a top two team in the in the in the conference, right? So, yeah, um, I think he, I think he deserves to to be up there. Um, and like I said, I, I think in the next couple of years, he'd probably be in the top twenty, and then maybe by the time his career is up, he'll be in the top ten. I, I think that's going to depend on if he wins a, a championship. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I mean, in that's what to, makes or breaks yeah. so many of these guys. Yeah, in order to kind of crack that that top ten, you you really you're gonna need a a championship. I know. Uh, when I saw the the top ten list at first, I was like, man, I'm surprised Oscar. Ro- I was like, Oscar Robinson's not on that, you know. And for uh, for the kids who don't know who Oscar Robinson is, he um, he played, I believe, in the '60s, and I think he was like the original guy who averaged a triple double for multiple seasons. Yeah, uh, I believe he won one one MVP or two MVPs, but but he was also kind of like uh, one of these guys that was doing things that nobody else did before. But uh, I believe he's eleven when, okay, I, when I just yeah. looked it up. So I guess you know he he's getting the respect. He you know he got he's getting his respect too. 
But um, yeah. yeah, Chris, I saw Chris Paul was at forty, which I don't know. I'm I'm like Chris Paul at forty, like he's he's ahead of probably like guys that deserve to be. You know, I'm sure there's a bunch of guys that deserve to be ahead of him, just like Paul Pierce. I think you know when you look yeah. at. You know who's better? I, I think you would take Paul Pierce over Chris Paul, no? Like career-wise. Yeah. Well, Paul, yeah, Paul Pierce is fifty-four, <laughs> and I and I, I think I would agree with that. Also, Dominique Wilkins, forty-six. Yeah, um, I, yeah. Again, he was probably a product of not winning a lot. Right. Um, but that's sort of what I mean with Giannis, right? Like he has to win to crack that upper tier. Yeah. Yeah, the top the top twenty guys. I mean, the top ten guys have all won championships, right? The Multiple, top, I think. Yeah, the top twenty. I mean, you'd have to go through that list, but I mean, we already talked about Oscar Robinson won, uh, Curry, Durant, they've won championships. Yeah. Uh, Akeem Olajuwon, I believe, was twelve. Yep. Uh, he won a championship. Carl Malone, I think, is the is the guy in the top twenty that didn't have a ring. Okay. But he so, he was actually. Was he the leading scorer in the NBA for – he might have been like or top five or something like that. Yeah, and he won an MVP and, um, you know, but I mean that was in the Jordan era. So one of the things that I found very disrespectful about this list is Ewing at 37. So, I mean, I have a huge bias. Patrick Ewing was by far my favorite pro athlete growing up. Um, and it just – it kills me that he never won a title. It's so frustrating and it's because we ran into the the Jordan buzzsaw. I mean, you know, it wasn't always Jordan. He missed that finger roll to close out the Pacers series in what was it, ninety three? Yeah, um, the Rock. I mean, the Rockets beat them in the finals, right? Yeah, yeah. and that's why Hakeem is, I think, deservedly so ab- uh, above him because you know it was Olajuwon uh, versus Ewing, and Olajuwon won, and that's sometimes to the victor go the spoils, but. I mean, some of the guys that are ahead of, like David Robinson ahead of Ewing, which I don't really think is that fair because Robinson didn't start winning titles until they added Duncan, and Ewing never had a teammate the caliber of. Then you talk about guys that are carrying their team, and this is the other problem I have. Like you have uh, Mikhail is, is one spot ahead of Ewing, but he was teammates with Bird and Robert Parrish for his whole career. Like who was yeah. Ewing's best teammate through yeah, Ewing's was... prime? Who was his best teammate? Yeah. Um... Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know, Mark Jackson maybe? Yeah, maybe Mark, Mark Jackson. Mark Jackson, trying to think. I mean, Oakley was like a role player. Charles Smith was a role player. Like John, Star- John Starks. I-, I really didn't love the Knicks growing up. I was, I was kind of anti-Nick. I like the Nets a lot better because I was a big Jason Kidd fan. 